Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. Another episode of the podcast. And are you in the holiday spirit yet? Actually, I have not been personally. Uh, I've actually been feeling a little bit like a Grinch so far this December until last night. Because last night, I went to an annual holiday party that some friends of mine here in Nashville put on at their studio every year. And I ran into a lot of friends that I don't get to see that often because, let's face it, people like us, we're always making music. And, uh, you know, I think it's, at least in my experience, it's far too easy for uh, all of us to completely lose ourselves in some aspect of making music and lock ourselves away in our recording spaces only to emerge here and there for something like a slice of pizza or to take care of some sort of chore preceding obligation, something like that. And, you know, days go by and months go by like this until at some point you realize, oh yeah, I suppose it's actually been a while since I reached out to my friends to see how they're doing. So, uh, you know, maybe you send a text message to uh, someone and see if they want to Go get a slice of pizza or something. Uh, But the problem is, they're in the middle of a big project and they don't have time. Or maybe they don't even respond at all because they're totally consumed with their current flavor of Studio Alchemy. Something that's kind of the thing that I'm 100% guilty of. Uh, But uh, in any case, do you guys have this issue with your social life? Can you identify with that? I mean, don't make me feel like it's just me, you know, I mean, like, people aren't avoiding me, right? Right? Right. Anyway, I went to a holiday party last night at uh, my friend's studio, and I got to hang out with a bunch of awesome music makers that I don't get to see very often, and uh, made some new friends, new friends that probably will fall into this dysfunctional social pattern with me, because people aren't Avoiding me, right? Right. But uh, in any case, here's the thing that did it. 
at the party, more than a few people mentioned this podcast, and they let me know that they're listening to it and that they're enjoying it. And that kicked me into the holiday spirit of merriment. The feedback that you're getting something out of listening to the modern recordist. And this is a good moment for me to make sure that you know how important it is to let everyone know how much you're getting out of listening to this podcast. And here's the best way to do that. Drop in over at iTunes and leave a rating and review. Good and honest ratings and reviews. Communicate the value you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist. And it helps other potential listeners know that they should be listening to this podcast. Further, it helps us to know whether or not we're producing shows that you're not only enjoying, but uh, that are leaving you with valuable takeaways of some kind. And it also helps us to convey to potential guests the benefits of making an appearance on this podcast. But we're not limited to iTunes anymore. Uh, The Modern Recordist is now on Stitcher as well. And we are newer on Stitcher, so it would be especially helpful to drop in there, leave a rating and review, and let the rest of the Stitcher community know how much you're getting out of listening to this podcast. So fire up your podcast app of choice, search for The Modern Recordist, make sure you indeed tap that subscribe button, and please do leave a rating and review. And while we're talking about all of this, There's one more important thing to note, and that is to head over to our all-new website that we launched in early October. You will find it at modernrecordist.com. Head over there and enter your email into any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way, we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest that has to do with The Modern Recordist. And this includes tipping you off to any key episodes that may be of particular interest to you, Cluing you in to recording techniques and songwriting tips or discussions on creativity and even giving you a heads up on some special things that we're aiming to put together in the near future. Uh, All of that at modernrecordist.com. Okay, let's get into this episode. Our guest this time around is someone that I met at a, a Grammy party, I think, like two years ago. Um, and, uh, You know, he's really become a good friend to me and uh, somebody that I really enjoy getting to hang out with. He's an Emmy award-winning filmmaker. He's done work with iconic rock bands such as Kansas. He's done work with the Big Machine Label Group, uh, Nashville Songwriters Association International, and many other people. He started his own creative agency and multimedia production company called Naptime Creative, where he does work in the entertainment, advertising, and live event industries. So, my friends, please give it up for my friend, Stephen Knapp. Awesome, man. Stephen, what what's up? up? Hey, what's going on, John? It's going good, man. Dra- I'm dragging a little bit, but we got our coffee, our afternoon coffee. You have a full cup. I have a half cup because yeah. it is black and there is no cream. So yeah. that's all I need. And it is after 3 p.m. <laughs> yep. I'm going to be up until 4 o'clock. Uh, yeah, I hope I'm not going to regret this. But in any case, breaking a rule. But um, 
Yeah, man, it's a good day. It is a it's very a good, good day. day. So thanks for being here. And, you know, I'm glad that we're doing this because, um, you know, and I feel like I almost start every episode like this by saying we've been talking about doing this a while and, you know, we're finally doing it. And so, um, you know, this 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 one's no different. We've been talking about it for a while. And we're, you're finally here. Thanks for dropping in. Absolutely, yeah. man. We have been talking about it for a while and I'm not going to lie. I've been excited about it. You know, uh, I live in a world where I get to do things for other people and that like, you know, it's as exciting yeah. to talk about what you do. Yeah, man. It's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, you, I'm always on the other side of the microphone and, and the other side of the glass, as they say, and you're on the other side of the camera all the time. Every and now and then. Every now and then I get on the other side of the camera. You? Yeah, this is something that's been happening fairly recently, but uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. But it's fun to be on both sides. Yeah. So what, what, like some acting or? Oh, gosh. Well, so one of my friends, Anna, she's an amazing music video director. She says, Stephen, I'm working with this artist and we're doing like this holiday Christmas bar scene would you mind coming in and like being the guy that gets rejected and have the mistletoe like torn down? I'm like, Oh, Anna, if it was anybody else, but yeah. you no way. But yeah, we did it. Cool, man. No, it's just fun. So you did a little music video act. Yeah. I did a little thing. music video yeah. stuff. It's fine. I think I've acted in maybe like, Oh, I did two. I've done two music videos and both. I think one of the music videos I ended up getting cut at the final edit, I think. Oh no. And the other one I literally was in there. I mean, it was, I may have been like, literally one to two seconds like it was like whatever been there yeah it's like 30 frames or whatever the you know whatever the video what, what were you doing in those 30 frames okay i was head banging and, and and it was it was um a yellow wolf video okay cool. and so they so uh, uh do you happen to know nathan brown he knows he knows so many people it's just it's crazy but in any case maybe i met him at red door it, you, you, yeah you, you i bet you cross paths with him but anyway he um he's like friends with yellow wolf he does a lot of you guys do kind of like similar work but um he put like a thing out on facebook and was like i'm looking for at the time i did when we when you and i first started hanging out did i have long hair did i already had i chopped my hair off i used to have hair like super long hair, no it had been down. chopped off okay. you had chopped off yeah, hair then. Okay. yeah yeah so um, anyway, I had really long hair at the time, and he had put on Facebook, "Hey, I'm looking for some a couple of long-haired Heshers to do some head banging in a video." <laughs> so I text him like, "I'm dude, I'm your guy, man." He goes, "Oh yeah." So the next day, I show up at this set, and I'm like, literally, the 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 director. We're just on like uh, like a I don't know if you call it like a sound stage or like you know one of those just a big studio where they've got the what do you call it when it's a, a the, cyclorama. Okay, a it's cyclorama. Fun to say, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cyclorama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a Pacific storm, but it, no. Yeah. Everybody calls it a psych. It sounds super, uh, it kind of almost sounds, it sounds like a um, like a roller coaster or something. Yeah, totally. But in any case, we were at one of those things, and uh, <laughs> and he's like, well, um, put on whatever you want, music you want to put on, you know, put on some like heavy metal or something. So I turned on the Deftones, and me and this other random dude that I just met, and we're dressed up like, you know, leather and all this stuff <laughs> and um, I'm just like head banging and head banging and I'm wearing some combat boots that that are that are fine right there it's all well and good but then after you've been he's got like, well you got to jump around jump up in the air as high as you can kick your feet in the air and all this stuff and once you're doing that for like 10 takes <laughs> I, I'm literally like I had to tell him I'm like dude can I, I need to sit down for a minute I, I, I like I'm gonna pass out like the, all of a sudden my, I felt like I had like a hundred pounds of lead on my feet. You know, I was like, literally my head is like, my heartbeat is in my head. And so all this you stuff. say, take five, everybody. Just yeah, take yeah. five for the yeah. extras. Yeah. 
So uh, anyway, that was that. It was kind of it was a fun experience, but acting is know. absolutely fun. And yeah. actually, most people don't know this about me, but when I started doing things independently, acting was one of them. Uh, true true story. I was in a traveling children's theater troupe that went all over the state of Tennessee, acting in schools. Um, and what I learned about acting after that is just real quick, you might theater or theater people are different. And essentially acting is one of those sorts of things where it's doesn't pay well most of the time, yeah. you know, uh, right. Sort of whenever you're starting to figure out where you want to go in your career, you, you do different things, yeah. you explore different avenues. And I've always been a film and TV person like in first grade i was obsessed with nickelodeon yeah you know obsessed with star trek and all these different things and so when i got to a point where i could start pursuing some of that i figured out that you know well i don't know about this experience i don't know if this is the right fit for me and you know when you add up the numbers it's like there's a lot of time being spent here and not a lot of not a lot of return on it yeah so you know at a certain point that's kind of when I started changing direction. Yeah, about 07, 08. So that's okay. So that was your int- that was kind of that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. It's like kind of your entry point into doing what you do now, and it was really it was kind of that where it's where it started. Sure. Yeah. You know that was part of it. Um, essentially, you know, um, you know, my company Naptime Creative is a boutique creative agency and multimedia production company. We started in two thousand and eight. We work in entertainment. We work in advertising, and we work in the live event. Field. Fields. And that's kind of where we sort of live in those different areas and different capacities. Um, my background is actually in, is in broadcast journalism. I started okay. at an internship at NBC here in Nashville okay. and then moved over to Channel 5 a couple years after that okay. being hired. So in my role there was working on the news desk. I don't know if you've ever been in a newsroom at all before. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. You know, you got all the producers yeah. sitting down there and then like you have a news desk. Usually it's a big giant desk. And yeah. that was like the first thing that I saw whenever I did my internships. Like, whoa, who sits at this giant desk? Yeah. That looks fun. And that's the assignment desk, which is basically the clearinghouse for all logistics of the day as far as news gathering goes Mm -hmm. um all the trucks all the reporters talking to the producers listening for uh police scanners for stuff to go down and you know that was the position where you kind of knew where everybody was you knew where all your ducks were and a lot of juggling very high pressure very fluid because the situation can change in the moment. Yeah. Like a live shot dies or a uh, truck dies or somebody's stories fall through and you sort of have to be the guy to say, Hey John, 5 PM producer, your lead story just died and we're moving somebody over to your thing now. And yeah, you know, bear bad news, but also the giver of solutions. Yeah. If that makes any sort of sense. Yeah. 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 Very high pressure. So you you worked in that, room that capacity mm-hmm. for that. about four years okay yeah. that's cool it really prepared me to be an independent producer to be yeah. quite honest because um you know it's like when you think about all the things that can happen in the world and how that affects a newsroom you know you got fires tornadoes amber alerts all happening at the same time and you all and you have to get it all on the air yeah without anybody being the wiser that yeah. anything happened yeah so it really made for a trial by fire experience where man it's like if you can thrive in that situation you can pretty much thrive yeah, anywhere it, it, yeah it's pretty high pressure yes. it's like yeah it's totally. fun though totally yeah. fun every day was different yeah never knew what i was going to be doing right could be a slow day could be a, a fast day yeah it was just great yeah 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 so i mean it's like have you ever seen um 
Have you ever watched Key and Peele? I have watched Key and Peele before, yes. Have you ever seen that one sketch where they're like, um, it's a spoof on, remember that story that went viral? It was about something about in like Mobile, Alabama, where somebody had seen a leprechaun sighting and then they put it on the news and it was like they're interviewing all the people around Mobile. It was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen the leprechaun and all this stuff. And so Key and Peele did a um, spoof on it that was like, um, that was like they go into this neighborhood. It's like the guy in the truck is like, "Well, you know, there's no news today. I don't know what we're we gonna do." He's like, "Oh, live, watch and learn, man. Watch and learn." Watch you and learn. He's like, "Give me the name of a mythical creature." And the guy's like, "I don't know, like a unicorn." He's like, "Okay, watch this." And he unicorn. goes up and he's like talking. To, he's like, "He's like, well, I heard there was a unicorn sighting in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, man, I seen the unicorn." <laughs> but this makes me think is like you know you have a slow day and it's right. like. You know, does that happen? Do people sit around and go, well, let's, we've got to create some news? Well, yeah. you know, probably not so much in that aspect. However, along those lines, I can tell you that everybody feels that a tornado does sound like a freight train. It sounded like a freight train yeah. coming out of the sky. Yeah, I yeah, swear yeah. I saw it. It was yeah. green. It sounded like a freight train. It's just one of those TV news tropes that is out there, and it's, it's a real deal. It's yeah, a yeah. real thing. But no, uh, you know... A lot of the times, the journalists that were in that situation, they're just trying to get their story covered. They're right. trying to get their two-minute package done. Yeah. And you know, nobody has time, really, to think about, ooh, what story are we going to make up? Yeah, Any sure, of this stuff. Right. stuff like yeah, that. I mean, it's funny. It, it, yeah, you, I mean, people... I, definitely it's like you know i know they're not really that maniacal but right. but it is funny to think about that idea that you're like because at a certain level it is like right like on, on the other end of the spectrum maybe there is um maybe there are a number of crises or crises or whatever is that how do you say that you say crises like or crises. crises okay so there's a number right like maybe there's multiple events happening in a day and like i guess you maybe sometimes comes down to like you have to make a decision on what's going to make it on the air and what isn't, you know? You know, the way that they had it done was a, you had a day side team and a night side team. And usually if, um, you know, something happened at the end of the day or towards the uh, sort of cut off of that, you may end up having to do a double if you're a reporter. Reporters work a lot, man. It's really impressive yeah. the way that they are able to go out there and just get what they can get and bring it back and pull it all together with their photographer and yeah. editing within the very short amount of time that they have to do it. Um, you know, and along those lines, they always have to have things on deck. There are always things that they keep in their pockets, right? What was really interesting is going into the pitch meetings every morning. When I was at Channel 4, um, you know, we would go into the pitch meetings, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning, and just kind of see what everybody was going to work on today. And, you know, you see stuff get shot down by news directors, you see stuff get uh, picked up, and everybody always had a few things to throw out on the table there. So yeah. it was never... It was never uh, you're just doing what they gave you. You're yeah. supposed to come to the uh, table with some ideas. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you ever watch the HBO Newsroom? You know, show? I did watch the first episode of it. Yeah. That was uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Daniels, wasn't it? Yeah, and Sorkin, like, I think he wrote. Yeah. Sorkin wrote it or created it or something. I did like watch that. a little bit of it, and I remember seeing, thinking it was like, this was, this was great, and then I just sort of fell out of it, you know? I just, yeah, I, I do that from time to time. Yeah. I watch things. I'm into them. Yeah. I either stick with them or I fall out of them. Um, and you know, that's not any referendum on the show that has yeah. more to do with me and yeah, you yeah. Know, I just curious is like you know, of course, everything is like God, he has to do, sort of like be sensationalized, you know, because reality isn't going to make for good entertainment, like pure reality. But but I was just wondering what your take on like how accurate that was. I thought it was a good show. I ended up I got 
I got pretty sucked into it and watched it the whole way through, but it was pretty good. Without having seen a lot of the stuff that was in the rest of the show, I can say that, you know, I believe that there is a problem in the world today with uh, infotainment, as yeah. I like to call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, opinion masquerading as news, masquerading as fact. Yeah. Um, I recently had a sort of an exchange online with somebody where they posted up something and, you know, I, I try not to get, I try not to engage yeah. the online yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a happy life. So I'm sure. trying, trying to fight online. Yeah. But basically, you know, I basically told this person that, well, I don't, I don't really view that as a credible source. And of course, like, well, why not? It's like, well, the headline is an opinion. Come yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, man, it's such an interesting world, you know, and I guess we can, we can, maybe we can get into this. I, I had, a, I had a few questions, you know, um, uh, sort of a, a very loose arc sort of planned for like some of the questions I would ask and where we would go with this. But, you know, one of the things we'll just get into it. One of sure. the things I wanted to uh, wanted to kind of get into was because it's such an interesting place. Like we're doing a podcast right mm-hmm. right now, and totally. so this is going to be going. This is like this. This is content, and this is um, you know, it's it's sort of like educational, but entertaining and all that going call, out call over the adding internet. to the discourse. Yeah. yeah, adding to the discourse, and but it's you know it's going out over the internet. You know what I mean? It's it's and. and you know, you go on social media, like as somebody who's a filmmaker, somebody who works in video on in multi, you know, purely artistic stuff, and you know, more uh, commercial stuff, a, a whole like a, a litany of different sort of styles and 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 sort of industries that you work in and stuff, and you know, and news and all that. Um, the impact of like social media and the internet and, you know, iPhones and all of that. Like it's, I'm curious just to know your take, your opinion, your thoughts on like that, that state of affairs and where we are right now. And, you know, it's sort of information overload, you know, that's yeah. the way that I, that I sort of view all this. And I have to be very careful of it myself because, um, you know, I'm an introvert. Um, I sort are you of, really? I am. Yeah. That surprises me, actually. Yeah, it's you know I'm a socialized in- introvert yeah. because yeah. you have to have some social skills in order to get along sure. in the world and, yeah. and make sales and get booked and all these different things. But you know I internalize a lot of stuff, so I have to be very careful about what sort of media I take in. And most people don't think about things in those terms. There's so many people in the world that think about, well, what am I putting into my body with food? Yeah. What am I? What am I? You know, nobody really stops and thinks about. Thinks about what am I putting into my mind? Right. What ideas? Yeah. What views? Yeah. Points of view am I putting into yeah. my mind? I don't think about it. Yeah. Because we don't view it like yeah. that. You know, uh, information overload is sort of how I view a lot of this stuff, and unfortunately, it is very easy for people to fall into the trap of being in a echo chamber. I I couldn't I couldn't tell you the source, but I know it exists. Maybe we can add it to the link later. But there was a study done that basically says that people seek out outlets that sort of reinforce their own opinions on things. Sure, yeah, you know, right? Confirmation bias, yeah, and all that. Ab- yeah. absolutely, yeah. totally, yeah, 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 totally. So it's uh, you know, we live in a world today where 
people aren't thinking about what they're putting into their mind. They're not thinking about like if there is a critical thought or an agenda behind whatever headline mm-hmm. or whatever story or that's coming into them. So yeah, I try to think about things in those yeah. terms and just be very careful. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, it, it is, it is super interesting. There's been a couple of, um, it, it's, you know, and I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot and he talks about these types of things. And, and, and one of the things that he, um, uh, one of the things that he said, um, this idea of like, you know, we're living in this kind of time of like outrage culture right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, that is an interesting way to kind of think about it. And an sure. interesting, I had like that, that, that sort of term, that phrase or whatever. I don't know if he came up with that or somebody else did, but, uh, That's but a I'm good like, term. That, that does that, like, that, that encapsulates or that, that kind of describes exactly what it, it is. It's like, and it's very interesting because it's kind of like the kind of thing where if, if like you and I have sort of we differ on an opinion on some issue or something, mm-hmm. right? We're not. I don't even necessarily mean like when I say issue, I don't necessarily mean like a political thing. Just any topic, right? Just pick anything. I, how significant I, or I think Hattie B's is the best chicken in See, Nashville. Okay, so right, you know what I mean? Like how it could be because I actually I, I'm kind of like I don't get the Hattie B's thing, but that <laughs> I, I, I digress. I digress. Anyway, the, my point is is like how significant or insignificant, right? If we're face to face it's kind of like yeah whatever i mean like uh, in a lot of cases it's like big deal whatever but for whatever reason you get online and all of a sudden everything just becomes this like huge it it, it goes from it's a shit show zero to a hundred yeah. in 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 a in a finger snap it's just a crazy well john i respect your differing opinion <laughs> on the best hot chicken in nashville that does not make you less of a person in my eyes. Uh, it just means you are your own person with your own tastes, which are different from mine. And I respect you and honor your existence and your decisions about the hot chicken you choose to ingest. That is not the best, like Hattie B's. But, but no, I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it just comes down to respect, man. You know, like I think a lot of people in the world don't. And I, I hate speaking in generalities, but when you get into sort of an internet situation, it's just easy to be terrible because there's an anon- there is a, a non anonymity to yeah, it yeah. that you know no one's going to call you on it yeah. while you're behind your keyboard. Yeah. You know, some of it can just be outright strange. Though I actually came across a thread yesterday where it was a I was I was uh, I was Instagram went way down the Instagram rabbit hole, right? And I was in some random place and wa- looking at a thread a conversation of two people i have no i don't even know where they live i'm mean, like I have, who, who are these people you know no connection with them whatsoever but i was just why i was reading for whatever reason the whole thread and i rarely do this but it now, was now i know what you're really doing yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange how it went like basically it went sour so fast right it was almost as if somebody like it's like it's almost as if there's something that people are angry at, and they're misguidedly. It's almost like people are acting out their hurts and their angers on other people, yeah, because they cannot yeah. control them yeah. in their regular lives. Yeah, huh? Yeah, what yeah. an amazing concept. Yeah. yeah, ah, it's like people don't have an outlet for their emotions, like yeah. negative or positive. Yeah. Sometimes, it's yeah, really it's really. Amazing. There was another thing that I was that I was listening to. They brought up. Uh, some study again we're kind of referencing things that that uh it's sort of like the link will be in the comments yeah we'll have to figure this out but 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 it was an interesting dialogue that i was listening to and they were talking about the idea that um you know when when we evolved right when we're in hunter-gatherer societies and we're in um kind of tribal culture 
um, there was real threat involved, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like there might be a, a, a tiger in the in the jungle that's going to eat you. Right. There's, a, you know, you might run out of food at any. So there's like these real. Um, there's these real threats, these real things that, that hardships that you have to deal with every single day, and we've evolved to be wired to 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 be in that. And so they were talking about like when certain like in periods of time where where we are right now, where there's kind of like not any major crazy event going on, mm-hmm. people start to go into this weird hysteria. Mm-hmm. But as soon as there's some kind of crazy terrorist event, as soon as the you know there's like a 9/11 that happens or right. something like that, suddenly all the all the the, the chaos kind of like in a certain weird way kind of normalizes things and you'll notice like people like, you know, like in any given day in New York City, people are wanting to rip each other's heads off. But but post 9/11 directly after that incident, Everybody in in New York City was like unified, right? right? You know, so it's almost like we have this evolutionary sort of like biological wiring that we need to sort of like live in crises, right? We need to live in like a hardship, and as soon as there it becomes a vacuum, like we're void of any of that, we actually have any conflict to deal with, we start to go into this like hysteria or something, you know, you know, on mental health and I am not a mental health professional, but I have read about it. I experience, I have a mind, so I am concerned about things. And so I read about them. You know, there is this concept of catastrophization, Mm -hmm. always turning something into a catastrophe and taking small things and turning them into big things to your point about, you know, people unifying together against a threat. That's just humans. You know, it's like whenever there is a common enemy, it makes people really easy to unify against one another. And that can be usurped. Yeah. I mean, and, and media and, you know, media and filmmaking and, and all the visual things that we have right now, those are the tools of, of that, yeah. you know, of, of sort of tapping into those things. Whenever I make something, I'm always thinking about what my goal is, whether it is a commercial yeah. to inform, whether it is a, a film to make you uh, feel something. All these different things are sort of windows into our emotional lives, right? And that's how you tap into people is you have to activate an emotion. When people are open via emotion, they are more susceptible to influence for good or bad, you know? Hey, you see a Sarah McLachlan commercial with a puppy on it? Go adopt a puppy. Or you see, like I don't know, uh, I don't even want to. I don't even want to put another example out there because I'll offend somebody. No, but you know, it's like uh, that sort of thing has been happening for a very long time. If I'm a I'm a huge World War II history buff, right? So you know, if you look at all the propaganda from way back then, it was masterful because they really hedged on those sort of human um, uh, idiosyncrasies to move the people in the way that they wanted them to move, Uh, right? Yeah. So it's really weird sort of how people can get plugged into that and you can get latched into that. Yeah. Um, Again, that's why it's important to sort of have that filter uh, about what you consume media-wise and just most people don't. Yeah, be intentional about it and Mm -hmm. just, just be mindful like... Yeah, it's interesting. Do you do you do any kind of meditation or anything like that? Probably running is the closest thing that I yeah. would consider to meditation. Um, I'm I'm sort of a weirdo. I like to go on long distance runs and things like that. I usually go between like six and eight miles, whatever. And 
I, I don't you listen to music. I, I am just strict. Like ever you don't or just... Just, just when I, on my runs. Yeah. On my runs, it's just me, my brain, and my feet. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay. And so I think that for me is probably the most yeah. sort of like meditative state that I can think of. Yeah. Um, if your listeners ever meet me, they'll probably think I've had too much coffee because I'm a very energetic person. Yeah. Right? So the which idea... Which is why it surprised me that when you said introvert, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you've got a lot of energy, which is... yeah, It's all bottled up yeah, in yeah, here, yeah. man. It's yeah, waiting yeah, to yeah. get on set and ready yeah. to lead everybody everybody through yeah, yeah. a set. Um, but essentially, uh, no, I, it's very hard for me to sort of sit, sit still like that. Sure. And just, it's one thing to quiet the mind while you're sitting still and being in this wonderful place. I think for, for me, it's more effective for me if I'm still moving, but still in that meditative yeah. space. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, what you're thinking, like this idea of like sort of, you know, being mindful of um, I like what you were saying. Like people, it's obvious to sort of be mindful of like what you put in your body and stuff, or maybe it's becoming more obvious. I think that now we're in a movement where people are thinking about that more, maybe as a blowback to previous decades of not thinking about that, you know, fast food and all that becoming such a, you know, people just not being really taking care of themselves. And now I think we are becoming more mindful of that, but it's, but because, you know, what you engage in sort of like intellectually is, is 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 like it's intangible and it's not like there's not always like a completely obvious uh sort of repercussion or manifestation mm-hmm. of, of that you know what i mean like sure. if you eat too many donuts you get fat right but if you consume too much garbage media or ideas or something you get, like you get dull you, you may not but you but it but it's like sneaky it's sort of insidious yeah. because it sort of almost happens like behind the scenes mm-hmm. you don't realize it you know so there was a period in my life where i ended up having to spend an amount of time in my father's basement and in that time i did a lot of self work and a lot of personal development and things like that a lot of wisdom a lot of soul searching and you know one of the things that i learned about was the concept of neuroplasticity. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that yeah. before? Yeah, yeah. It's yep. basically the idea that, you know, you will change based on what you think. Yeah. And sort of the, the, the nugget of wisdom is, is that you are what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really sort of like mind blowing for a lot right. of people to, to to think about that. It's like you know I'm a good person, but you know maybe you don't think good thoughts. Yeah. So there's like actually maybe there is a uh, uh, difference there. You know yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it, it's it's hard because I think that it can become at a certain point it, it 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 sort of becomes a cycle because it's like you are what you think, and then you think these things because you are, and then it's sort of like feeds itself and it's just so it gets to a point where and and it is sneaky because all of a sudden you can be like five years down the road and be so down into this sort of this this cyclical this sort of this circular way of Uh thinking and not realizes like how do you get how do you how do you break that cycle you know absolutely and uh you know i think that in 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 my experience with that is that it really took for me, it took a relationship ending to figure out some of those things. You know, we all live in patterns, right? Yeah. We're, we're, human beings are pattern-recognizing and pattern-seeking mammals, yeah. right? Yeah. Sort of what that meant for me is having to change the way that I was thinking about things. And concerning that sort of circular reasoning, you know, you do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, you know, that, yeah. that's insanity, yeah. right? So yeah. if you change something, yeah. maybe your circumstances will change. And I found that that was the case in, in, um, in my life for the better, to yeah. be quite honest. Right. 
So it was kind of for you to break the cycle with sort of some, maybe it was like a sort of an external event that happened and it just and you just kind of took the moment to have reflection and just introspect. hardest thing to do in the world yeah. is take responsibility for your own yeah. happiness and sort of be yeah be honest with yeah, yourself. Um, a lot of people can find all sorts of reasons, you know, in addition to patterns, humans, we like to rationalize things, yeah. right? It's like, well, that didn't work out because of that, or that didn't work out because of that. Uh, in reality, you know, if things keep on not working out some way, the common factor is generally you. And most people don't want to take a look at themselves. They right. don't want to take a yeah. look in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's Dude, that's awesome, man. I, I love these types of conversations because it's like the last... Um, handful of years you know uh i've been like it was i spent 2015 going back and forth to uh columbus ohio a bunch mm-hmm. that yeah. year and um one of the part of what i was doing pretty much the whole reason for me doing that is because i was uh i had decided to get involved in a uh, leadership cool. program there yeah, yeah wonderful and sort of like this emotional intelligence kind of kind of kind of work and stuff and we dove into that type of stuff mm-hmm. all the time and i feel like Going in, I was already somebody who kind of, you, you know, I was, I was aware of that I, I, I did, you know, I, I wasn't. It wasn't like I was completely irresponsible for like sort of my own actions or whatever. But it was good for me to dive into that and like just kind of dive into that whole space mm-hmm. even more, yeah. you know. And you start to learn on a granular level, sort of like it almost gets to like that super granular level where you're like, okay, I do and think this and this happens or mm-hmm. this happens and I do and think this and and that leads to this or whatever and uh, for better or for worse, you know. And you just start to s- sort of see it and you take a new layer of responsibility mm-hmm. onto it, you know what I mean? But um, that also includes taking responsibility for your thoughts. Yeah. Right. Sort of, you know, along these lines of changing what you think and changing your life like that is uh, the idea of scarcity thinking for versus abundance yeah, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. 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 Most people, they live in a place of scarcity. Right. Like there's not enough uh, love. There's not enough attention. There's not a love, not enough of anything rather than thinking, you know what? There is enough love. There is enough attention. Yeah. And there is enough to go around. Yeah. And I am enough. And no, right. a lot of people don't think like that. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, when you're saying that, it's like, I start to think about there again, kind of like social media and the internet and all that stuff kind of exasperates oh, that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, but it's a weird, sneaky thing because number one, it's not like that is the direct message that's being broadcast to you. It's, it's like, it's, it's in your innuendo. You, you, but you're like, you, it's it's how you're interpreting, right? right? So it's like something comes up, and this person is in, you know, wherever, like in in Hawaii doing hang gliding or something, and somehow you interpret that as, well, they're in Hawaii doing this, and I'm over here, and I can't, you know, like like I'm I don't know if I'm struggling to get rent paid or whatever, and and so it becomes this like sort of interpretation, right? Yeah. And yeah. then the other thing that's very interesting. Is right now, especially there's this, there's, there's a very, I'm noticing a, a, a huge uptick and a trend of a lot of people posting these quote, sort of like self worth posts, like, um, you know, like, uh, uh, don't let anybody tell you that you're not enough and you are enough and it doesn't matter, you know, mm-hmm. these materialistic things don't matter or whatever. And it, it's, it, you know, cool, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're putting yeah, out a great message stuff. and everything. But what I notice is 
that so many people are doing it. Right. And once you have so many people doing that all the time, every day you see a message like this, you're going, you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, like, you know, it's, it's almost like it's this reaction, this mass reaction of people that have this self-worth problem, you know, and this is kind of how they're, they're dealing with it. And, you know, newsflash, I mean, everybody's got a self-worth problem, right? Everybody has a self-worth problem. Yeah. Everybody has insecurities and all these things. But it's just interesting to me. It's like, you you know, you, you think about the internet as a place where like oftentimes people do post a lot of positive stuff. You can find like, there's a lot of positive quotes. There's a lot of positive you know, believe in yourself and all this kind of stuff. But it's interesting because it's like, the, I think the collective result of all that is like, I think there's another layer behind that to sort of notice, you know, that's happening. And people are like, well, I, it seems to indicate that there's a whole lot of people who don't feel this way, who have us, they're coming. In other words, you said scarcity versus abundance thinking, right? And it's like, man, there's a whole, whether it's a, whether it's it's a straight up negative like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna troll you right or <laughs> or I'm going to post something like all these positive messages to me I'm looking at it going man we gotta we got this problem with it's all coming from like sort of a place of scarcity because yeah. if you truly thought with abundance right my question would be like would you necessarily post those things like don't be ashamed of yourself and like you, you can do anything you want. Don't let anybody put you down. Would you necessarily post, post those things? And if you did, would, how would your language about that change? You know what I mean? Right, right. I got a question for you. You mad, bro? <laughs> I had somebody, dude, I had somebody do that to me online. Like this is probably like, four year four or five years ago and i was literally like i didn't under, i was like i don't i don't understand what what i just i was confused yeah, totally. i was like i totally i don't totally yeah uh for anybody in your audience that's what the trolls say is like, hey bro you mad yeah um you know no absolutely to to your point you know the reason why people post those things is partially because you know that's part of where their head's at um i have gone through a situation in my life recently where you know i am posting about narcissists and my mm-hmm. disdain for them mm-hmm. And so that comes from a place that I have been. When somebody is posting probably about, you know, hey, you're good enough, you're, you're, you know, all these positive things, either, you know, A, they really believe that and they want to spread that message and amazing, we need more people like you. And then maybe you have other people that are not necessarily where those words are, but they're trying to get there yes, and their way right. of getting there is by spreading that to right. other people. Yeah. And maybe they're just in it for the likes. I don't know. Yeah. You get a little shot of dopamine every time you get sure. that like button. Totally, man. Right? And I'm not trying to disparage it because I, I honestly, I actually did get right before you came over I, I, and I, I participated in a thread that was a, one of those exact things where somebody had posted a thing about, you know, kind of being vulnerable and, and not, you know, and, and just committing to your passion in life and not like, you know, it was like one of those kinds of posts about just like you're enough, your self-worth, believe in yourself, blah, 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 blah. But Do- their language, Dopamine is a hell of a drug, John. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally, man. But, uh, you know, and, and that's, I'm not trying to disparage people to do that because by any means, if you, I would, I think that it is, I think that it is actually a good thing to do that, yeah, right? You know? as, as opposed to like the alternative being where you would go troll somebody and you would try to tear them down. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so, so I'm definitely not trying to disparage that. And, and in fact, you know, this, this thread that I participated in earlier today, it legitimately, it legitimately lifted me up. It was like, man, I really needed to read those words today. There's no, dis- but yeah, yeah. My point really, 
reality is just I, I, I started to notice, you know, and, and and when you said scarcity versus abundance thinking, it really made me kind of sort of like realize this, but just to, like to notice, like to your point, like, hmm, like, you know, I'm talking about all these positive things, but like, where's my mindset? Where am I coming from? Am I, am I coming at these positive ideas from a place of scarcity? And it's just, just notice moment. And if you are cool, that's fine. If you're coming at this thing, like I, I have this scarcity mentality that I, I'm dealing I with. I need the attention from all these yeah. likes by putting this, this positive thing yeah. out there. Yeah. Just notice, right? Yeah. Just notice. Just and, notice. And, and, and I think that that's, I think it's powerful to notice that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think it's powerful to notice that. And I think that that's, can, can be the beginning of you kind of changing your cycle. I right? mean, that's talking about being present and being aware. Yeah. And most people are so unaware of what they are thinking and feeling and just like, you know, I don't want to go and say enlightenment, but you know, just awareness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it goes back to intention and, yeah. and what are you really trying to put out there into the world? And, um, you know, I, I try to put out positivity and not harm. <laughs> that, right. That's what yeah, I yeah. try to do. <laughs> Dude, and it's awesome, man. Like you're 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 one of the most open people, you know, that I've met in in recent years and everything. So it really does it, probably it comes, too open for uh, some people, but that's okay. No, man. It, it, like it, it, you know, you're you're very um uh like it's just easy to get along with you. And it's and and it's and it's it's good vibes. To put it succinctly, that's what it is, man. So, Thank you, John. Yeah, good bro- feeling yeah. the good vibes from you yeah, as well. Awesome, man. <laughs> but um, but cool, man. Let's um, yeah, yeah. Let's let's. I, I would love to know more about your work specifically. Okay, you know? where and, do you want to start? Do you want to start in entertainment? Do you want to start in advertising? Do you want to start in live events? Where should we start? Well, yeah, man. So I think why don't we talk? Why don't we talk about your connection with music? Because you do okay. you do work in music and like you know because and that's what I'm doing all like I'm. All, pretty much always in music, um, working to make records and working in music and doing audio and all that. And that's really kind of where this podcast comes from. So I think that would be a great place to start. Let's talk about, you know, you uh, music videos, electronic press kits, all that kind of stuff. You do a lot of that stuff, man. And you, I, you know, I'm looking, I, you, you sent me over, I was looking at your work and, um, you know, you, you've done work with some people from on the, uh, Steven Tyler, Big Machine people. Correct. Uh, Kansas. Um, uh, there's a few other artists. Who's um, um, there was one other standout artist that I was that that, that I was. Uh, oh, I met one artist that um, you did a you did a pretty cool. I guess was it you would consider it a, a press kit or, or was it it was a really cool piece for um, Adlington. Uh, yeah, Stephanie, Stephanie Adlington, Adlington. Yeah, great yeah. great jazz singer. Yeah. Uh, you know, alumni of the Royal Academy of Music in London, vocal professor at Belmont, uh, just amazing vocalist. And, you know, I met her at a film industry party in Nashville in 2015. And, um, you know, at that point, I had uh, done the first EPK for this other band, Mackenzie's Mill, who are wonderful friends of mine. And I knew that I sort of needed another EPK project coming up. I think it uh, had just gotten an Emmy nomination. Uh, McKinsey's Mill had just gotten the Emmy nomination. So I knew that I wanted to have sort of another EPK project under my belt if and when anything happened there. And, you know, uh, when you are a person that musicians want to work with, you know, the usual sort of customary thing is invite me to a show. You know, yeah. let, let's start yeah. there. Let me, yeah. sh- let me see what your party's like. And that's the exact thing that I said to Stephanie is that, you know, just invite me out to one of your shows. And she did with, and it was over at Sambuca. I really liked the music. 
I mm-hmm. liked the songwriting. I thought she had a great vibe, great look, and sort of just everything sort of worked with her musical style, her look, her brand, and that's what made it a little bit just feel right. Yeah. You know? I generally don't do EPKs okay. myself um, because I, I love music, man, and I really have to believe in somebody yeah. and believe in their art. And not, and there's really their tenacity. I believe that this person is going to want to be and stick around for a while yeah, doing art, right? Because I don't want to spend a year of my life or whatever time it takes doing an EPK for somebody if they're going to quit in two years. Yeah, you know, right? Um, you gotta. I, I want to work with people who are in it to win it, so to yeah, say. And yeah. Stephanie, she has built an amazing career being an educator, being a vocalist herself. And, you know, what I see in her is somebody that is looking to take her artistry and yeah. and, and really yeah. claim her artistry versus everything else that she's done that was awesome, right? Right, yeah. And so that's why the EPK looks the way it does, and that's what she sings about, and that's her vibe, this old school retro vibe. She calls it Jazzicana. Yeah. It's like this really cool mix of like sultry jazz, roots, and American music, and just all... Uh, with some good stories. Yeah. She calls it Jazzicana. It's trademarked, yeah. by the way. Nobody else can use that. Really? She, she, she trademarked that? I believe she did, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's, sorry, to put, that's, sorry to be putting your business out there, that's Stephanie. Smart. That's smart. Um, no, that's cool. So, but yeah, I mean, and and you and I met, we originally crossed paths uh, at like, it, I think it was a Grammy viewing party was the first time that I met you. Yeah, so that's right. Around in the, um, in the music in the music scene, you know? And so then there's a number of, of, of events and things that you've invited me to that I've hung out that been music related things. Right. Right. Um, and then you and I worked together on the, um, that, the NSAI yes, project. That was a really cool event. So, you know, the Nashville songwriters international is the largest international, uh, trade association for songwriting in the world, man. They had so many options that I'm, Still to this day, blown away that I got to work with them and yeah, help man, produce that's, this project. That's awesome. uh, essentially, they had their 50th anniversary at the Ryman. It was a, you know amazing show. They had uh, celebrities, celebrity songwriters, just amazing performances, amazing trios. Literally a night of musical history in Nashville yeah, that will never happen again. Yeah, dude, that's it's ridiculous. That's incredible. And I, maybe, maybe I'm waxing romantic about that, but that's the way that I felt yeah. in that moment. Yeah. My company and my team, we had the amazing honor to go out and basically record some of these stories uh, of the songwriters. They honored 50 songs. We made 27 videos for the event that were, you know, played on these massive screens inside the Ryman Auditorium. People laughed, they cried, and, you know, they saw the stories behind all these amazing songs that NSAI's uh, membership had voted on as number ones. And it was just a huge honor to be a part of that and work with the NSAI team, work with Bart and his team, and just to be a part of it was amazing. Yeah, dude, I mean, that's that's so historical. That's so so historical. historical. The 50 years of NSAI, the organization, and just to be able to to be a part of that history and everything. And then, you know, you invited me to be able to help out on that. And yeah. um, so it was awesome that, you know, I got to to sit on set and some of these legendary songwriters come in to, whether it would be Bart's office or, or um, we even, we the first day we were at RCA Studio A. Yeah, we did RCA. We and did that was BMI. the first time that... I'd ever been in that studio, uh, you know? And, and so for me, that was a big deal as a guy who is a, like a record producer, audio engineer and all that. 
in the history of that studio. And that was just a huge big I'm gl- deal. I'm glad that yeah. that happened. I'm glad yeah, that man. that opportunity was there. Yeah. yeah. It's that's, awesome. It's wonderful to um, hear. Thank you for that. Uh, but dude, yeah, the, the the Nashville history and like and and so you're a Nashville native, right? Was yeah, it, I'm from Middle yeah. Tennessee. I grew yeah. up in Hendersonville. Went to school at Beach High School, and you know, sort of my love of music came, you know, originally from film. I was, you know, I loved the Indiana Jones franchises. I loved the Star Wars franchise, and all these had amazing orchestral scores, yeah. soundtracks, right? Yeah. You know, by the time I was in sixth grade, I was in the school band because, like, I loved these movies and I loved this music and I loved the power of an orchestra. Yeah. Uh, and the way that it backed up a story about, yeah. you know, Indiana Jones or whatever. And so, yeah, for, for about eight years through high school, middle school, and college, I played music. I, I was in the band. Okay. Yeah. And so that's where all of that started. And, you know, I was the kid that had a stereo system in his car because yeah. it was, that was the way to listen to music, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah, but that's, that's, so that's awesome, man. I mean, to, to be a part of the, and then, you know, so many years later, be a part of the NSAI history and all of that. And somebody, you know, I grew up here too. And, um, and, and, and it's just, yeah, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. What, what instrument do you think I played? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a fun game. If you've ever met anybody that's in the been in the band, it's always a fun game. Okay, so like the high school or the high school band, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, well, obviously it's it's I I feel like because you asked me that it's gonna be something unexpected, but I'm just gonna go with like the drum line. You were p- part of the drum line. I was close. I, was, I played tuba, and okay. usually the tubas that was gonna be my second guess. <laughs> usually yeah. the tubas hang out next to the drums. Okay. You know, drum and bass kind of keep yeah. everything moving. Yeah, yeah, nice man. That's cool. <laughs> Tuba be fun. If I was gonna, I never did do that, but I would. I, I probably would have either picked drums or tuba or whatever. Do you get to pick, or do you get assigned when you're? You know, I think originally I started out on the. Yeah, I, I started out on the trumpet, and that's what I picked. And uh, yeah, eventually I'm like, you know what? That thing looks fun. That thing is big and loud, and I want to try that out. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's awesome, right? Yeah, and um, yeah, that's. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, we we picked i think there was a sort of a if there was a imbalance people were encouraged to to make a change but you know i think that was for some reason something in me was just like yep i want to try that thing and yeah of course yeah it's awesome man like it's definitely like the big the big piece of brass man you know what i mean yes look at us that or or the or the huge drum that you're gonna like smash with a a big mallet you know what i mean it's just it just begs to be music is so fun yeah man there's so many fun things yeah it's awesome so um so i want to ask you about this yeah this um uh you're emmy award-winning director correct yeah so i i um i just want to read this and then because um because I just think this is, I don't know, it just struck me as interesting. And I want to read this. This is, this is part of um, some of your, your press material. But uh, in February of 2016, Stephen C. Knapp was honored with an Emmy Award for a short-form directing work on the McKenzie's Mill Electronic Press Kit from the National Association of Television, Arts, and Sciences, Mid-South Chapter, uh, the director, short film, uh, short-form Emmy honors excellence in capturing attention and communicating a message in a short amount of time. That really struck me, you know, because I think that, you know, that to be able to, 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 to say things succinctly, um, 
you know, and this is almost like to bring it back around kind of what we were talking about with social media and the impact of like the internet on entertainment and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and artistry and stuff. Right. I mean, you have so much time, you know, even people's psychology, you were talking about literally just mere seconds mm-hmm. to click and like hook them in and mm-hmm. create an impact with them. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that struck me is this idea that, to be able to get across a message that that creates an impact with people in in a short amount of time and that you you know being able to i think that as a as like a film director or somebody you know that's telling it as a storyteller you know um and, and somebody who helps other people bring their like you know cuz you're not just necessarily telling your own stories you're you're helping people that have a story you know connect it with an audience and 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 help them create the impact that they're trying to to create out there in the world you know that's i just think right. that's such a, a a interesting skill to have and you know and so um yeah i, I talk it's about a, that it's, man. It's, a, like, it's a skill that you only learn through trial and error and experience literally yeah. either something doesn't work or it does yeah that's that's really yeah. Yeah, not rocket science. It either works or it doesn't. Yeah, and the only way you kind of figure that out is by trial and error. Yeah, if you, I mean, that's not the way a lot of people do it, but you know, it's true. Yeah, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So how do you? So I mean, how do you? What's the process like of the trial and error process of like sort of deconstructing that and going through that process to to to, to sort of like craft that skill in, in yourself. I mean, if you're talking about just in general, I can speak to that. If you're talking about for the press kit, I can also speak to that. I mean, in general, I, it goes back to that awareness, right? Um, there, I, <clears throat> there's this thing that I have inside of me that a lot of other people that are creative have inside me or have inside is that if something works, you just get this feeling. Yeah. And I can't even describe okay. what it is. Yeah. It's just, that it's like, ah, yes. I know this. Yeah. I am familiar with this feeling. Okay. And after a certain amount of time, you learn to listen to that. That's your intuition is the way that I've sort of like described it. Yeah. And this is like really deep, personal, internal stuff. But, you know, that's what being creative is all about is listening to your intuition. Right. Right. Um, And I think that a lot of people don't do that. When it comes to making a a press kit or something or of, of that nature, um, you know, the trial and error comes in the editing process. You put sound bites next to each other. You put visuals and graphics next to each other. Yeah. And okay, do I like the way that that flows into that? Or does that go there? Or just all these different things. The editing process is so powerful, mm. right? And when I say editing, you know, I'm talking about the arrangement of the story, the arrangement of sound bites, the images that you're showing, because if you have an edit that is not in the right place, it can all fall apart. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right. If something's off. Uh, so, yeah, the, the process for that is in the editing. That That's where that trial and error yeah. happens. Does it work? Does it not work? Okay. Where do you get the most emotional resonance and vibration happening when you're looking back? And that's the other thing about, you know, film is you watch things so many times yeah. over and over and over and over again that after a certain point, it's like, that's it. You have to just kind of like, that's it. This yeah. is this is the best it is going to be with the collateral that I have available. Yeah. And this is just it. This yeah. is got got to walk away. But it's away. interesting to me because it seems like you know, uh, as somebody who's like not really experienced in in directing any type of film. I mean, uh, 
I don't know if that maybe as a student project or something because that was an audio video. I mean, production you do direct major. a podcast, John, so there is okay, that. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> you have I mean, an audience okay, to tend to. <laughs> sure. So there's that kind of a thing, but like specifically as 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 like uh, shooting footage, you know, it seems to me like you know there's this editing process, but like you 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 almost have to have the foresight, right? I mean, you have to know. Um, like the only the closest thing maybe that I feel like I could compare it to is is I'm producing a record with a band or something, and you know when I'm going into sort of pre production with them or we're going into the studio, like in those moments I am thinking about what's the final mix going to sound like, and I and I kind of make those sort mm-hmm. of mix decisions sure. in those moments. You know what I mean? Sure. But you have to. Right, you have to. That has to be an aspect of it, right? I mean, well, and it depends on what type of project you're doing. Every every project is different. With something like an EPK, which is you know that, yeah. that's what we were talking about. I don't have the luxury to go in and say, okay, I'm going to plan every shot out and I'm going to get this, this and that and this and that. You know why? Because I shot it in Las Vegas with my client, and uh-huh. I wasn't even. I didn't even know I was shooting an EPK when I was shooting it, right? So there it goes back to that editing process where you sort of have to produce those moments in there for that type of project. You can do things on the front end or the back end in in my world. Usually the front end of things is something that is, you know, like a narrative piece, like a a fiction or something like that. Uh You can absolutely go into an EPK with a plan on the front end of it, right? Um, that's not what happened for that one because we didn't know we were doing that. You know, we yeah. literally did not know we were doing that. Sort of the way that that one came about is that uh, one of my clients, Roper Apparel and Stetson, they put on a nationwide talent search. These guys won it. And the grand prize was you got to play the MGM Grand in Las Vegas uh-huh. for, for two weeks during the national finals rodeo. I was the third person they met off of the plane. Never met them before in wow. my life. Okay. But we instantly clicked. Yeah. And it's like, okay, where are you guys from? And they said, Nashville. Oh, well, this will be easy. So, yeah. yeah, once we sort of had that 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 vibe going and, you know, I really was enjoying the music. I was enjoying the performance that they did. There was something in me, an emotional connection, that intuition yeah. that said, okay, there's something to do here. Yeah. So, I didn't go into it saying, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make an EPK and it's all this stuff. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It didn't happen like that. Okay. It happened like, I really like these guys. I really feel in their vibe. Really excited about what I'm seeing. I know I can do something with this. Yeah. So, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a difference between of uh, of planning something and just happen, happening to have something that you have all the elements to make something good with and you sort of put it together. Uh-huh. And there's two ty- those are two types of talents. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I, I love the you're so in touch with this sort of this intuitive process because it is, man. I, I think we can, it's easy to, it's easy to, um, and maybe it's just something that I need that me I need to personally hear right now because I think that it can be it's easy to become uh, sort of buffered from from that or something you know decoupled from this kind of intuitive process or something especially if like currently what I'm doing right now is is a lot of sort of just working in solitude where I'm writing you mm-hmm, know sure. and I'm I'm kind of like trying to 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 look at at um, what the next year is going to to be like and starting to kind of put plans together for that. But, you know, currently right now, you know, aside from a few 
things here and there that that um, I'm getting into some some like a day here a day there in the studio recording, but I'm not like on any kind of like project where I'm like around a lot of people a lot of the time, and so I'm just in solitude. And I don't know, man. I just that what you're saying about the intuitive process and how important that is to be to to, to be in touch, sort of like to be able to know like what am I feeling and and what does this sort of like mean? Like how 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 can I? It's it's beyond like. And I think too, we're we're as a collective group, just in general, in 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 our culture right now, we're very much up in our head, you know. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of like the importance and kind of pra- pragmatically s- sort of describing the the process and the importance of sort of getting out of your head and just allowing, because we kind of do have this place right now in our culture where it's almost like that it seems it's almost like, well, you shouldn't just go by feeling. That's like sort of, you know what I mean? Like, well, you need to have a plan or you need to, you know what I mean? And, right. but, but but we've forgotten, I think on a certain kind of, especially it's like maybe an, maybe artists have or have, I don't know, but, but it just seems like right now this idea that like, I love the way that you're talking about being in touch with your intuition and, and, and the feeling of it and how like practically that connects to good work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you feel strongly about something, you know you can probably do something really good with it, you know? Yeah. Um, to your point about us being in our heads a lot, I totally agree with that. We live in a very reactive culture, you know, rather than a proactive culture. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times we find ourselves swinging back when some things happen, rather than taking action to sort of steer our ship, if you will. And I think that it's really important to sort of, again, going back to the whole responsibility conversation, um, sort of take responsibility for where you're going and, and take that sort of intuition that you have that everybody does and really just listen to it. Yeah. And, you know, I speak of it in a, in sort of an artistic way as it relates to these things, but it absolutely applies to, to life in general, you know? Sure. Totally, man. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome, dude. It's such entertainment. It's such a, if you're working in the industry, I mean, the inner, the industry is such a people business or relationship business, but outside of that, just when you have some sort of creative idea, you know, whether it's a, a piece of fiction or whether it's even like some kind of marketing piece or something, the point is you need to have an impact with people. You need to, you need to, it's a it's a people factor, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Because uh, you're trying to communicate with people, and so yeah, it's it, it's just so important to to know people and to be thinking about the human factor of it all, man. Absolutely. You know? you know, to your point when you were asking about the EPK and sort of like the sort of the emotional roadmap of it of how it's impactful, and you know, I explained that it was on the back end of things when you're talking about like a narrative. Uh, project where you're telling somebody something like a feature film, for example, you know, in the writing process, you do, you do think about those things like, okay, five minutes in, I want people to be hooked where this thing and this emotion. And then by the time we meet 45 minutes, they should be feeling like this. And then bam, we're going to drop them all the way to the bottom. Uh We're going to make them feel like shit uh, 45 minutes into it. And then there's going to be a redemptive thing. Yeah. There's like, Literally an emotional arc to all of these things when you are doing maybe something like a feature when you're writing that. Um, And that's something that you do have to plan out, like an emotional roadmap almost of how you want your audience to feel. It all comes down to audience, I think. Um, Story is the most important thing. If you don't 
have a great story, whatever it is you're working on, whether it's commercial or artistic, whatever, uh, you're going to have a bad time. And you always have to think about your audience. Even I, I told this to a friend of mine recently who uh, is maybe a new filmmaker. Uh-huh. She has a music project and she made something that was not well received and actually spurred a lot of backlash. And I basically had to explain to her that, you know, hey, maybe you did not communicate your artistic intention correctly. Mm, yeah. And because you are a new filmmaker, you uh, did not realize that people sort of have this reaction and can take these things yeah. uh, differently. Um, and so, you know, the argument that I had with her was that it was like, well, you didn't think about your audience. You didn't think about how the people that you were showing this thing to were going to react to it yeah. or how they were going to interpret it, which, you know, new filmmakers, like, I made it for me. And it's like, well, okay, then don't even bother putting it up on YouTube then. Yeah. If you're not making right. it for other people to consume, then you need to check yourself and kind of uh-huh. figure out what am I in this for? And that goes back to that awareness thing. Do you think that there's any place for somebody to... I mean, to talk about that, do you think that there's any place for somebody to make something like, like I have this art inside of me, this whatever it is that I can't really put my finger on that needs to be expressed and I need to just go down this crazy path of just total artistic expression and kind of like, you know, go way off in the left field and it's 100% an art piece and to explore that and, and to kind of go at it in abandon of beyond just me needing to express myself and just sort of like get this out beyond that. I'm not going to think about anything else. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to necessarily think about the audience and who I'm going to show this to or whatever. I mean, do you think there's any place for that? Do you think there's any place for, for doing that and doing it like putting it out? You know what I mean? There's arguments to be made for both sides, right? If you are making something purely for you and you put it out there and it doesn't do what you want it to do, then okay. And you stand by it. If you're trying to put something out there in order to create momentum or traction or things like that, then, you know, you have a goal, you have an intention, yeah, right? I I think both of those things are great. I just think they both accomplish different goals, right? Yeah. Yeah. One is very much internal and and for the artists themselves yeah and the other one is for maybe a greater commercial purpose or things like yeah. that and you know both of those are fine you can have artistic integrity and still make things that people like yeah as long as you, you know does that make yeah, sense totally it's i right? think it's like it's like where you might go wrong is when those things sort of like the wires get crossed you're sort of like not really thinking about you're not really thinking about it intentionally or, 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 you know what I mean? It's just going at it without sort of... Just because something makes sense to you does not necessarily mean it will make sense yeah. to everybody else. Right. And, yeah. you know, depending on what you're making this thing for, uh, what your intention is, that that's going to inform that for yeah. sure, you know? Yeah. And not to say that any one of those is right or wrong. I probably err on the more commercial side of things, uh-huh. for sure. You yeah. know, I make EPKs. Sure. I make documentaries and, and things like that. Um, you know, as I can never be mad at somebody for saying what they want to say though, and doing it in an artistic way, you know, yeah, uh, that's not for me to judge. It's sure. not for anybody else to judge. It's just, you know, either you connect to it or you don't. Totally. It's killer, man, dude. 
you know, these, I always, man, I I try to make these long format and I'm like, you know, I'm always feeling like, uh, maybe I just need to make them longer format. But in any case, it's like the time the conversations go by so quick, especially this one, man. Like we, we really got into a lot of things that I feel like were, um, yeah, man. And they were really, I think it was a really good place to go. I really enjoyed this conversation. It went by really quickly. And there's a lot more that I really I wanted to ask you about, but that's just you know what we're going to do is it's going to give us an excuse to have you back on like shortly cuz you know these are these are good conversations, man. You can't see it, but I'm throwing yeah. the, the hands up. Whoop whoop. <laughs> <laughs> right on, dude. Um but again, I, I really appreciate you coming on and Thanks uh, for having me, and, dude. and sharing some thoughts about creativity and I think um um, I think it was really valuable. I think that I think that uh, yeah, the the ideas that you have about just where you come from, create creatively, and kind of sharing about those types of things. Um, that's I don't know, man. That really uh, that really spoke to me. I'm going to enjoy and listen back to this one. Absolutely. So. I want to share two things that my dad told me, and I'll be real quick. Is that one perception is reality, and two that your response defines you. To Love the that. World. So Love that. just if you keep those things in mind, sometimes you can never go wrong. Yeah, man, that's killer. Totally cool, man. So um, where uh, where can people follow up more on your work? Sure, and um, get in touch and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, we're on all the socials, all the socials at Naptime Creative, Facebook, Twitter, all this good stuff. Uh, the website is naptimecreative.com. Um, you know, I'm a very easy person to get a hold of. If you go to the website, there's a big button that says Start a Conversation. And you'll go right into my inbox. So it's real easy to get a hold of me. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to talking to people. Killer, man. Cool. Awesome. Well, till next time, thanks again for being on. And uh, thank you. Talk soon, man. Totally. Cheers. See you. All right. All you artistic visionaries and creative music makers, there's another episode of The Modern Record is for you. Thanks for hanging out week after week giving us a reason to produce these shows, connect with other visionaries, and for allowing me to get to spend time doing something that I enjoy getting to do. Hey, make sure you get subscribed and stay subscribed to The Modern Recordist, and you can do that on iTunes or Stitcher. So fire up your podcast app of choice, search for The Modern Recordist, and click or tap the subscribe button there. While there... Do make sure that you leave a rating and review, good and honest ratings and reviews. Clue others into the value that you're getting out of listening to The Modern Recordist, and it helps us to continue to produce shows with awesome guests that you enjoy hearing from. Also, make sure you head over to our all-new website that we launched in early October and sign up for the email list using any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way, we can keep you up on all the latest and greatest it has to do with The Modern Recordist. And this includes tipping you off to uh, key episodes that may be of particular interest to you, cluing you into recording techniques and songwriting tips or discussions on creativity, and even giving you a heads up on some special things that we're aiming to put together in the near future. Okay, that's it for an honest day's work. I'm going to go spend an evening on a Netflix binge. That's it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world. 